will have the satisfaction of seeing not only God's promises fulfilled to them, but his judgments fulfilled upon those that hate him. In Psalm 58, verses 10 to 11, we read and see the reward of the wicked, and yet we are admonished to rejoice. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So the men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. Turning now to verses 9 to 13. The Holy Spirit now appears to speak directly to the remnant of Israel, providing clear and very assuring promises as a consequence to Israel's experiences and willingness to turn to El Shaddai. These promises are consequential and massive, as are ours also since we have turned and submitted to our Lord Jesus Christ in faith. And in repentance. However, make no mistake, as always, Satan is always present, attempting to seduce even the elect if he could. And I refer back to verses 9 to 10. We read, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. These verses are similar to verses 1 and 2 of the same psalm and reinforce the need to make our God our place and habitat in which we live. We are his temple. We are to rest in him continuously. We are to converse, delight and depend in and on him. Then it will be our privilege to be at home, kept and safe by him. In Isaiah 26, 3, we read, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Verse 10 does not pr promise that no trial or test shall befall us, but asserts it shall not be driven by or for evil. Godly trials are sanctified by our Lord and given to us that we may be corrected and grow in faith. Now, moving on, it will not surprise you that even Satan attempted to use part of the psalm against Jesus. In verses 11 to 12, I reread. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone note that there is a limitation in the promise of verse 11 psalm 91 the psalmist writes in all your ways to be sure our vulnerability to the wiles of the enemy is largely due often to our own ineptitude 
when we take ourselves out from within the Lord's protection. Most of the time, we have no one else to blame but ourselves. Unless, of course, as we see in the next example of Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, Satan deliberately deceives by dropping part B of verse 11. We read in Matthew chapter 4, 5 to 7, dealing with Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And you'll note that in the Matthew, the version of, of Matthew eliminates the highlighted red to keep you in all your ways, but continues in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Our enemy Satan knows the power of Scripture better than we, and is adept at using these words against us, particularly in a manipulative way. Satan deliberately left out part B highlighted in red from verse 6, as it removed the abnomition to remain in the Lord's will and thus negated the, the qualifying godly limitation highlighted. Clearly, Matthew 4 verse 7 points to the dangerous consequences of tempting God or misusing the Lord's word. Our strength is in obedience through faith in Christ and knowing his word, the scriptures. Angels are part of God's way to influence the world. He has the power to protect his people. Though we are not given the right to demand invincibility, God can and will keep a believer from all forms of harm if it is part of his plan and we are in his will. Nothing in scripture implies that Christians are invincible immune from harm in any way. On the contrary, life still presents difficulties and dangers. A believer cannot presume that the Lord will supernaturally defend him when he is careless or arrogant. We need to obey godly wisdom to have a better chance of avoiding catastrophic circumstances and disaster. Our Lord has crushed and broken the serpent's head, and through faith in Christ, we are admonished to stand upon his promises. In verse 12 of Psalm 91, I reread, You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall trample underfoot. You shall trample underfoot. Christ has told us that we have authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and that we have the power over the enemy. And in Luke 10, 19, we read, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And in Mark 16, 18, we also read, They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. 
They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The psalmist ends this section with a shift from the psalmist's voice to the perspective of God. This again echoes the idea of safety in the context of someone who holds fast to the Lord. In verses 14 to 16, the psalmist now speaks of as the Lord himself, words of comfort to all the Israelites, including the saints today. Some have speculated these words are those spoken to angels as the reason of the charge given to them in verse 11. Either way of importance is the nature and character of those to whom these promises are spoken. Again, to refresh our memory, I will read from Psalm 91, verses 14 to 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. First, they are those who know his name. In this flesh, we will never know the full nature of our God, but by his name, he has made himself known to us. In Psalm 9.10, we read, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Secondly, they have set their love upon him, as I hope we have. It must be our fervent prayer to remain in his will and love. And we read in 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 11, knowing, knowing, knowing the Lord through love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Thirdly, they are those who call upon the Lord continuously through sincere prayer. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18, we are admonished to rejoice always, praying without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Finally, my, my last overhead. I was thinking of this and I thought about, well, what have we learned? Are we confident that we rest in the shadow of the Almighty? Do we allow the worries of this world to mar our peace? It will be no stranger to anyone, any one of us, if we did. Our flesh is fraught and the enemy is a marauding lion. None of us in our own strength can overcome his attacks. However, 
Great security is promised to believers in the midst of danger. Wisdom will keep us from being afraid without cause. Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ will keep us from being unduly afraid. Whatever is done, Al Shaddai's will will be done. And we have no reason to fear. Finally, I draw attention to six highlighted truths. Our Lord Almighty is our refuge at all times, including times of trouble. Our refuge is that secret place in his heart, his presence. We and all born again believers are his temple and church. We know who he is by name, El Shaddai, God Almighty. Our love for him must be steadfast and unwavering. And finally, rejoice in our almighty God, Jesus Christ. Pray unceasingly to him. As I said earlier this evening, this psalm was and remains of particular importance to me. Shortly after meeting the Lord during my early walk with him, some 25 years ago, I found myself immersed in a new career that placed me firmly in the midst of a Freemasonry dominated industry. Being a new disciple of Christ, I became entrapped in a number of what could have been serious, life-changing and career-ending incidents. My spiritual naivety, as well as a well-anchored Christian monitor within the same organization, taught me to turn to and depend on the Lord in prayer and trust to be here tonight and witness to you the power of his spoken word, and in particular, Psalm 91, and for me personally, Isaiah 54. However, our focus tonight is the Lord in Psalm 91. So these experiences, at least for now, will have to remain untold. I hope that you have found this teaching as rewarding, encouraging, and as comforting to you as it was to me. Let's close in prayer. Have this evening. Uh, this is a, a joyous moment as we come to the end of uh, an amazing journey through your word in Psalm 91. We thank you for this privilege of your word. I'm excited to acknowledge your presence amongst us. You are an encouraging, loving God, full of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. We thank you that despite how easily and how fraught we are we can fall you pick us up encourage us and your righteous right hand protects us and so this evening lord we're thankful for your word and pray lord that you will continue to speak into our hearts these truths that you have given us and help us meditate on them day and night and understanding and meaning mercy and discernment would never leave us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.